morning, everybody. Um, in the church Bible, the reading is on 1075, page 1075. Right, the first part of this reading is head, headed, A Living Sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve and approve. The next part is humble service in the body of Christ. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. But just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And the final section is love in action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving God. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who you are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think of yourself as superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. So let's pray. Father, as we continue to explore what it means to be true worshippers, open scripture to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So as um, David said, if you were not here last week, um, Dan Ralph started um, uh, that mini-series on worship, and with a basic question, what is worship, and what, it is, what is it to be a true worshipper of God? And um, I'm not going to expand on what uh, Dan said last week, because I heard lots of reports that it was excellent. So you need, if you were not there, you need to go on the website and listen to it. Um, but the, the, the main, um, maybe, phrase in that passage that he looked at is um, that those who are going to worship God um, are going to worship Him in a new way, was, uh, that was what Jesus said to that woman. And they were going to worship God in spirit and in truth. And that's what um, then Dan kind of unpacked. Um, and of course, at the time, the place of worship was uh, a temple where they would go and, and bring sacrifice and find forgiveness there. Uh, and in, to some extent, it, it was the synagogue where, where they would go. And Jesus was saying, this is going to change um, through what I am and through what I'm going to do. And of course, as Christians, now we, we know that we can have access, we can encounter God anywhere and at any time, not just in church. And that's because of what Jesus has achieved on the cross by dying while we were still sinners. God showed his love that through Christ and dying on the cross, he opened the way for us to encounter him in such a new manner. And so the truth is that now the only way to meet and encounter God is through Christ, is through Jesus, through his sacrifice, where we find forgiveness and reconciliation. And that's what Paul has been saying for 11 chapters in Romans. He has been unpacking the gospel, that good news. And then he finished chapter 11 with a technical term, we call it a doxology, which is basically a written worship, a written praise. So if you have your Bible open at uh, page 1075, you can read from verse 33. That's how we finished that uh, unpacking of God's grace towards us. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And I could hear that kind of language in a song. And often we then say, that's worship. Singing or saying verbally who God is, what God has done in history, what God is doing today in our lives, that's worship. But Paul then continues, and the letter continues. He says, yes, it is worship, but it's only part of worship. So what is authentic, full worship? Well, in chapter 12, he calls her now to respond to God's grace, mercy, to respond to God's love shown in Jesus Christ, not just 
in doxology or in praised written in word or sung on a Sunday, but with lives that are offered to his service. And so in verse 1 he says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is true worship. Some translation says, this is proper worship, or this is your spiritual worship. And that can be translated, this is your rational or your logical. And why is it logical? Because that's what God did in Jesus. Jesus offered himself as a living sacrifice so that we might be forgiven. So it is logical that in response, in response to that great love, we also now offer ourselves, offer our bodies. And so Paul here in verse 1 and 2, one, one of the great passages of Roman, um, explore the whole of what it is to be human. It's our bodies, it's our mind, and it's our will. It's our body, it's our heart, the, side, the, the place where we make decisions, and it's our thinking, our mind. And if you were at Lighthouse, uh, Rob kind of summarized that very well by saying, being transformed, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Being transformed in the renewing of your mind, that's stand out. Allow God to lead you to start thinking how he thinks, about life and what is important, and stand out as a Christian. And actually that word, transformed, is only used very rarely in the New Testament, in two other passages. One is when Jesus is transfigured, transformed, and the disciple can see who he really is. And one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, which says, Believers are changed, into the likeness of Christ or are transformed into the likeness of Christ for one degree of glory to another by the operation of the Spirit. What a thought when we allow the Spirit to transform the way we think. What a thought that we are becoming like what Jesus became on that mountain. Somehow people start seeing Jesus through us. That's what that transformation means. And so he calls us to be mindful, not to follow the patterns of the world, not to be like others, but to enable God to lead us in a different way of life. So worship is a way of living that includes, to use kind of heavy Christian words, putting ourselves on the altar, dying to oneself, so that the life of God can flow through us. So being renewed, I like the one, it's always a work in progress. Mind under renewal, work in progress. That's who we are. But what is it in practice? And that's what Paul continues, verse 3 to 8. First, that everybody is somebody in his body. Everybody is somebody in his body. And that means you and me. That's what it means to give our lives. It's to give our lives to one another. 
because God has made us different, all of us. We come with different background, different experience, different skills, different abilities, and that's from God. God is a God of diversity and creativity. And he brought you here as you are, and you are a somebody in this body. And then God gives you also gifts, spiritual gifts. And so he used that well-known picture of the body, because we all have a body, and we know, if we look at our bodies, we know they're different bits, and they all need to work together to make the body function. And so the same with us in this church. And he goes through the list of gifts, and I will expand on that a little bit. It starts, verse 6, with the gift of prophecy. We just had 21 days of prayer at 6 o'clock, and some people have that gift of having pictures and sharing. And sometimes they're very funny picture. So on Friday, we, have a, we had a picture of huge boots with mountains and snow. And I thought, oh, maybe the new vicar is going to come from Alaska. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but that person gave it in faith and share it, share the gift. And it's then to the church to discern what God is saying. Receiving pictures, insights. People have words of revelation, sometimes words of warnings, words, words of reassurance, words of guidance. And then we have the gift of serving in verse 7. People who have that gift of coming alongside, offering practical help and service. And maybe some of you, when you heard Jane presenting her needs for the children and family ministry, and you read at the list, you said, oh, I can do that. Oh, yeah, I have time to do that. That's the gift of serving. I can help there. I'm available. And then we continue, gift of teaching. And I think if you were here last week, I'm sure you would agree that Dan has that gift of teaching. And you were blessed last week with that ability to get into Scripture, bring it out, and make it alive and practical. That's a gift that God gives us. And we are so blessed to have many gifts of teachings among us. can be a gift of training people or mentoring. Then we have the gift of giving. Some people are generous. And it's not too hard. If you're like me, it's hard to be generous. I don't think I have the gift of giving. But I learn, because that's who God is. God is generous, and we need to grow in that. But some people, it's just natural. And so I got this text from uh, Lizzie Hales, and I think you would recognize. I think Lizzie Hales and Danny Hales, they have that gift of giving. And they said, oh, we have a sofa, we have some tables. If anyone needs in Lucerne, it's free. And they give it away. That's a particular gift. Some have the gift of leading, leading groups, cell groups. Some of you are cell leaders. The ability to create space for people to talk about faith, space to have prayer, space to have fun. And um, since the vacancy, someone do, for me who has grown into that role is Helen Pretty-Joan, who is now leading um, our DCC and does it wonderfully, creating the space for us to move forward. 
And then we have the gift of mercy, which is that ability to put yourself in others' shoes. And we're all called to do that to some extent. But some people, it just comes in a sense naturally because it's a God-given gift. They are able to put themselves in someone else's shoes. And they get wisdom and insight how to meet those needs in creative ways. And so that's what God gives to us. And maybe you recognize yourself in one of those. And so everybody is somebody in his body. And the mistake um, in, 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 in the beginning of this passage, it says um, we, sh we should um, see ourselves with sober judgment. Um, and some translation uh, brings it with humility. Um, but there is a kind of false humility, something that God doesn't want. Humility doesn't mean you think less of yourself. Actually, humility, did C.S. Lewis said, it's you think of yourself less. It's that you're fully aware of what God has given you, and you, you know, you're full of joy. But you don't start bragging about it. You put it at his service. And that's what God is calling us. Service that is done wholeheartedly, without shouting out or bragging or showing off. It's like a sweet perfume, like a fragrant offering that is pleasing to God. It is worship. So that's our first insight, practical insight, that Paul offers us, is that everybody is somebody in his body. And then the second insight that he offers is verse 9 to 21. And it's all wrapped up in the word love. But not love as a noun, but love as a verb. Because love always acts. Love is always traceable. You can point to action. And so he again, he expands that, what is love, starting by saying it must be sincere. It discerns what is good and what is not good. Hates what is evil, cling to what is good. It has this notion of being loyal and devo devoted to one another. It has this kind of deep commitment to care, to seek the well-being of one another, to see the other grow and mature, to help them see God's goodness even in difficult time, to encourage them to see that God has good intentions and he will make it through. God is love, and so our love should be that of building one another up, protecting, encouraging Warning sometimes. And then it says love honors. It honors us, uh, others above ourselves. That means it doesn't hurt. It doesn't point unnecessary to a weakness because we are all weak in a sense. We are all have our flaws. And so love doesn't try to point that out, but is patient. Recognize the need to give space for us to grow and learn. And then moving on to attitude. Paul then speaks of kind of a mindset, an attitude, which is everything. Because if you know a little bit of advertisement, that's, that's the seat that they try to win, your thinking. That's what they try to influence, your mind. Because if they can make you go along a certain pattern of thoughts, then you're ready to buy. 
You really need this. Do I? Yes, yes, you do need. Oh, and you really want it. Oh, yeah. And that's it. So God also works at that area of our mind and our attitude. Be fervent, passionate, keeping your faith alive and serve him the best you can. That's an attitude, to be passionate. And I like this verse that says, um, Abraham, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Those are three attitudes. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And that can only happen when you start thinking the way God thinks. When you know nothing can separate me from God's love. I'm secure in his hand. When you know, yes, it's a race. We are in a race, but the finish line is secure. When you know that, then, yes, it's not this joyful, like, an amazing joy that comes when it's your birthday or, you know, you get this big present, but it's this kind of affirming peace and joy that God will do it. He is faithful. And so I can be joyful in hope. I can be patient when it's hard because God will see it through and I can learn to be faithful in prayer. And then there is what I called, we'll move this one, crazy love. Crazy love. Look at verse 14. Blessed those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's crazy love. And of course, in some churches in the world, it's physical persecution. And maybe you heard on the bombing in Afghanistan for religious purposes. Horrible. But some churches live in that reality that any time someone can come inside a church and start shooting other people. But for us, I think it's a different kind of persecution. You might have um, experienced friends or people around you that make your life hard because you're Christian. That use words that are hurtful. Or that try to uh, mock the church you go to or harm the church in any way. And God says, bless them. Learn to bless them. Rejoice with the successes of others, even if you go through a time of being unsuccessful. That's hard. But that's the kind of crazy love God wants true worshiper to grow into. Live well with everyone and do not make it difficult or awkward for them and be willing to associate with even the lowest of all. If you really go down this list, it's really a long program. And that's worship. It's the life that we offer day by day as an offering to grow in service and in loving God and loving others. So we started with that question, what is worship? And Paul helps us to grasp that worship is not limited to our corporate liturgy and preaching and music and singing on Sunday. There's nothing wrong about it. It's part of it. But for Paul, worship, and that would be the expression, it's full-bodied. It's your full life. It's everything. 
It's the offering of our lives in response to God's love manifested in Jesus. We're offering our bodies. We allow our mind to be transformed. We use our will. We play our part in the church. And we act with general love. That is worship. It is the hallmark of a true worshiper. So may God continue to shape us as a community that worship him in spirit and in truth, in sacrificial living, in service and in love. Amen.